Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of What the Heck is Crypto. I'm your host, Stephen Cesaro. Today is Friday, the 13th of January, and the market is pumping. Bitcoin over 19K right now, ETH over $1,400. We're having a great time out there. Hope you're long and enjoying yourself as well. If you're not, should you be FOMOing into the market right now? Got some more thoughts on that later in the episode for you. First, I want to give a shout out to Lido, one of the liquid staking derivatives that we've been talking about in recent episodes. Uh, Lido is continuing to have just an absolutely incredible month, up 50% on the week now and over 100% on the year. Yes, there are still opportunities, even in bear markets, if you know where to look and you know a little bit about trading and how to use the chain. Solana also crushing right now. Uh, looked like it was going to go to zero at the end of 22 with the way it was just absolutely dying. Uh, now up over 100% since then on the year. I bought some for a trade around 11 bucks, so uh, I'm enjoying myself. Uh, I want to emphasize the word trade right there. Not really planning on holding this for a long time. Not buying any uh, spot bags of Solana as a long run investment. I know this is a uh, popular debate right now in the community, like is Solana going to recover and sort of reclaim a shred of its former greatness at least, or is it going to be effectively the next EOS, the next NEO, the next, you, you name a coin from the 2017 bull run that just sort of faded into obscurity. A lot of people like to draw parallels with, with Ethereum because Ethereum followed a similar trajectory in the 2017 bull run, went on a just absolutely ridiculous run, ended up peaking out around $1,400 in uh, early 2018 or so before it absolutely got wrecked, uh, ultimately trading, you know, within the year, I believe at around 80 bucks, what was that like negative, negative 94% down or so. Um, we've seen a similar move down in Solana. So naturally, people are, are, are thinking, well, the same thing is going to happen here. And uh, will it? Well, 
I obviously don't know. I have some thoughts on it. My thought personally is that I, I, I think there are better places for me to put my capital, especially from a risk adjusted perspective, right? I'd rather put my money in something that I'm just really, really, really confident is going to four or five X in the next bull run, as opposed to buying a, uh, you know, 100 X lottery ticket that, you know, has a few percent chance of, of, of happening. There are some parallels with Ethereum, right? Like after the Solana ecosystem sort of collapsed, like we, we, we've seen a pretty resilient community there and we've seen a lot of developers staying to, to build stuff. And, and uh, Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, actually triggered this recent rally with a, with a tweet a couple of weeks ago, kind of commending the Sol ecosystem and the Solana holders and you know, giving them a, a little pep talk. So uh, we, we are seeing NFT activity still on there. I think NFTs are a really, really you know, great way to get users into your community to, to buy your coin because they're, they're, they're so accessible. The problem I see with Solana is that in, in 2018, Ethereum was like the only Ethereum, right? It, it was sort of the only thing trying to do what its vision had been set out for. But that's not really the case now with Solana. And I, I think Solana has a bit, of, a, a bit of an identity crisis going on because that not only does Ethereum exist now and, it, and it's, it's working very, very well, um, you, you've, also got, you've also got Avalanche and you've got Polygon and you've got like, you name your competitor um, layer one chain and the, the landscape is, is, is just very different right now than it was in 2017. And, and Solana has a huge hurdle to overcome in, in terms of that, that competition. Solana's reason for existing a year ago, two years ago, even was that transactions on Ethereum during the last bull run got like very, very expensive, like obscenely expensive to the point where it was just ridiculous to even do basic functions like swap a token. And there was clearly a demand for users to use crypto, to use these layer ones. And those needs weren't being met because it was simply too expensive and, and, and too slow in some regards. So a lot of these alternative layer ones like Luna, like, like Avalanche, like Solana, like Harmony One, like Binance Chain, like all of these competitors came out during the last bull run promising users fast and cheap transactions. And it, and it seemed reasonable to some as a narrative that there would be like this sort of sub-market for the fast and cheap form of blockchain where people didn't care as much about decentralization maybe, and they were sort of willing to compromise on that so that they could use the stuff. Since then though, this narrative has been completely wiped out with the advent of Ethereum layer twos. You can use Arbitrum, you can use Optimism, you can use Polygon, which I would say is not really a, a true layer two, but like there, there are these ecosystems that are now built on top of the Ethereum ecosystem. Like if you go use Arbitrum, you're going to find that the speed is incredibly fast. The cost is incredibly low and you're getting a lot of the, uh, or all of the, the, the guaranteed sort of security of the Ethereum blockchain, right? So Solana needs to find a new reason for existing, I think. The, the narrative that it's cheap and fast and so users are, are going to want to use it is, is not 
going to be enough, quite frankly. Maybe NFTs is the killer app. Maybe it's something in gaming. I, I don't know. But if Solana wants to survive, they, they do need to find that new uh, identity. Um, so I'm personally not investing for the long haul right now. I, I do wish the best to everybody. I, I know what it's like to be absolutely completely wrecked and, and underwater uh, holding something that you, you really believe in. And it, it, it doesn't feel good, man. So hopefully things turn around for them. Hopefully this uh, rally has some pump. And uh, we see higher prices this year for Seoul. Next up, I want to talk about uh, NFTs, one of my favorite topics on this program. Uh, the, the reason I, I love NFTs so much is because I, I just think that they're really interesting in, in innovative technology. And I, I think they are going to fundamentally change the way we do a lot of things in the world in a way that Bitcoin really hasn't yet, actually, in terms of like making a difference in people's everyday lives. And I think in doing so, NFTs are going to potentially launch the next bull run and bring like the next wave of users on, on, onto, uh, onto blockchain, specifically, mostly Ethereum, I think, and, and I hope as a uh, admitted gigantic bag holder of Ethereum. In the previous bull runs, we used to hear this refrain, the institutions are coming, the institutions are coming, with the implication that all the banks and, and all the central banks and all these corporations are going to buy Bitcoin and put it on their balance sheets. And to an extent, this like almost happened. We saw Tesla buy, uh, we saw a micro strategy, you know, more so than anybody buy, 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 buy. And they, they have continued to buy. So kudos to Michael Saylor, who I think now owns one or 2% of the entire supply of Bitcoin. But this, the institutions are coming thing never really materialized. I mean, we got a third world country, buying it. But Tesla ultimately, you know, ended up selling a lot of their Bitcoin. I, I, I think they still hold some, but that, that whole thing fizzled out. Well, I think in the next bull run, the, the institutions will be coming. It's just that the institutions, they're, they're not going to be, they're not going to be banks, financial institutions, corporations, like we originally thought. The, these institutions are going to be brands and the brands are going to come into the space via NFTs. And, and, and one particular thing that uh, was brought to my attention in recent weeks that I want to talk about is the, uh, the concept of something called the fidgetal. Now, what is a fidgetal? Well, first and foremost, it's a, it's a terrible term that we need to rebrand immediately. But what, what a fidgetal is, is it, it's a combination of the word physical and digital. It's a marketing term used to describe like this blending of physical and digital experiences for consumers. It was actually crafted in the mid or early 2000s, I think, kind of in the, the uh, earlier internet days, trying to sort of blend, I guess, um, you know, e-commerce and, and, and the physical world back then. But we, we didn't have NFTs in 2007. Now we have NFTs and the, the, the digital thing is taking on a, a whole new meaning. You can, you can buy a physical good in the real world, whether that be like a, a pair of Nike shoes or a, or a luxury handbag. And you can also get, say like an NFT with that physical purchase. Now, why on earth would anybody want an NFT with their Nike shoes, you may ask? And I think for insight into this, you can look into the behavior of Generation Alpha, 
you know, we, we have Generation Z. We obviously have the millennials. Uh, Gen Z came after the millennials. We, we now have Gen Alpha, the, the, the youngest uh, generation out there. Um, they are basically just completely digitally native. They're, they're effectively living in their own version of the metaverse already with their um, online games, you know, be that you know, Minecraft, Roblox, um, Fortnite, right? One of the interesting things about Gen Alpha is that they have a lot more money than previous generations did. I, I think because that the internet has like opened up ways to make money online and just generally it's just a lot better out there than it was when I was a kid and I had to work a, a physical labor minimum wage job. One stat that really blew my mind is that Gen Alpha is currently spending $92 a month on digital goods, uh, such as, such as Fortnite skins. It's, it's like a thousand dollars a year, more than a thousand dollars a year on completely digital stuff. And wh why do they do that? Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, why do you buy a really sweet pair of Nikes? You, you buy them so that you can kind of wear them around, show them off to your friends and have some of the status of that Nikes sort of like transfer to you. It's, a, it's like a signaling mechanism. And because we live mostly in the meat space world as like older generations, you know, that's sort of how we signal and demonstrate value. But because the younger generations live entirely in the digital world, they still want to sort of express those same like human behaviors, but, th but they do it in, in the digital realm. So in the future, when you buy that pair of Nikes, not only are you going to be able to wear them around in real life, but you're also going to get this NFT that may allow you to put that same pair of Nikes on, on a Fortnite character that you have, or on a, uh, on an NFT, I don't know, really the, the possibilities of where this could go are, are endless um, from what I can see. It's just a wide open landscape where I think there's going to be a ton of really, really cool uh, innovation in the coming years. Brands are also already doing a lot of stuff where it comes to sort of innovating in, uh, in, in the form of like uh, loyalty programs. I think NFTs are really great for this. Like Starbucks, if you want to check it out, actually has done like an incredible job of kind of breaking into this space. And it allows them to just do so many more interesting and interactive things with their users than they can with just like kind of like a bland, you know, loyalty system like like that that we're used to seeing we're used to seeing today. And the good thing about all these brands coming in is that brands really care about the user experience. And the user experience is like really one of the big things that's like holding back crypto right now. It is just kind of miserable to interact with the Ethereum blockchain or any blockchain, really, if you are not like a really tech savvy person, it reminds me of like navigating the internet and in like the very, very, very early days where there was just not a lot going on there and you had to kind of manually do everything. And it was also a bit, it was a much more dangerous place back then. It was much easier to download a virus on your computer and uh, your credit card information wasn't as safe. It was, it was with the wild west, like people forget or some people don't even or don't even know what that used to look like. But when brands come into the NFT space, I think they're going to focus very, very hard on like building out user interfaces, UX, that allows the user to just sort of seamlessly use crypto without them even really realizing that they're using crypto. And I think that is the future goal for crypto. Like when we use 
Netflix, when we use a lot of the tools we use, when we use Uber, like we don't really think about ourselves as like using the internet. We don't think about the underlying protocols, but that's what we're doing. And like big brands, big corporations have built these sophisticated interfaces on top of everything so that like we can use them and not have to really think about it. And this is going to be what really incepts people into the crypto space and mass in the future. We've already talked about Reddit kind of launching a NFT sort of based uh, <laughs> karma system without really calling it a, you know, without really calling it NFT. You know, they launched, uh, you know, collectible avatars or whatever they call them. The NFT word still is kind of a bit of a bad word out there. Unfortunately, the name has been tarnished in all corners of the Internet after the last uh, you know, very scammy bull run, uh, understandably so. But same thing happened with previous technologies. I, I, I think that the people will get over it. All right, guys. So I'm going to take you through a painful part of a typical day in my life as a crypto investor and enthusiast. I usually wake up early, pull open the charts, see what's going on, open Twitter, uh, just start rabbit holing, figuring out some new stuff about the industry. I'm trading, I'm learning things, it's exciting. And then suddenly it's 5 p.m., it's 6 p.m. I realize I haven't eaten all day. I go to the fridge, I open it up, and lo and behold, I have absolutely no food because I did no grocery shopping this week as per usual. So I usually whip out my phone, order myself some uh, $39 burrito. It arrives 45 minutes later, cold, sad sauce spilled all over it and I eat it questioning my life uh, and I go to bed and repeat this the next day. But no more do I have to go through this routine thanks to today's sponsor, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Uh, HelloFresh gives you fast and fresh recipes with a latest line of meals featuring robust flavors, filling portions. Uh, they're ready in less than 15 minutes. You can have delicious foods such as the falafel power bowl, seared steak and potatoes with Bernays sauce, or Southwest pork and bean burritos. Uh, with HelloFresh, eating well in the new year can be stress-free and delicious. They've got 35 recipes you can choose from. And did you know it is actually cheaper than going to the grocery store? Cheaper and saves you the hassle uh, of going there. This is truly a revolutionary service. I am glad it is now in my life. Uh, if this sounds good to you, I've got an even better offer for you. If you go to HelloFresh dot com slash crypto 22 and use the code crypto 22 you are going to get 22 free meals when you sign up for a plan yes use code crypto 22 and you will get 22 free meals plus free shipping on your order this is a crazy offer highly suggest that you check it out that's hellofresh.com slash crypto 22 and code crypto 22 for 22 free meals and free shipping you enjoy that. I, I want to point out a cool uh, project, I think, that I, I stumbled upon. If you want to just sort of check this out in action, it's still a little bit primitive, right? But so a website called uh, blockbar.com. It's kind of interesting. They sell like rare sort of one-offs of like your favorite alcohol. Like there's a... Uh, you know, special edition Johnny Walker. There's even like a uh, Bored Ape uh, Monkey Shoulder collab. <laughs> and uh, whiskey is kind of an interesting 
thing to do for this because it, it lasts for such a long time, right? You can buy a bottle of whiskey as a collectible and, and sort of keep it there <laughs> you know, forever, basically. Block bar, I think uh, you, 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 buy the, you buy the collectible alcohol and then they store it for you in like their own facility and they give you an NFT that represents your ownership of it. And if you want to sell your collectible bottle, well, you can actually just sell your NFT uh, in a marketplace. And then anybody at any time can sort of trade in that NFT and get the bottle shipped to them. So the NFT in this instance isn't like a useless uh, JPEG to just sort of put on your, your Twitter profile. It, it, has, it has utility. It allows you to sort of uh, prove that you own the thing in the vault. And it gives you this sort of tokenized tradable asset that allows you to sell it to somebody and anybody can buy this from you without even knowing you because they can trust in in the blockchain. That's one of the beautiful things about it. Like there's a lot of other stuff online that if you you buy from a a third party, well, you, you might get scammed, but, but you can't really get scammed buying this NFT. If you just know a little bit about how NFTs work and, and, and if you just simply trust like the block bar marketplace itself. So, Really cool little innovation there. Micro innovation, I would say. I think we're going to do so much more like impactful and big and interesting and cool stuff uh, in the future, but one step at a time. Okay, so how do you as an investor get exposure to this? Like, say you believe me, you're like, oh, I love fidgetals. I want to, I want to get exposure to this. Love NFTs. I want, I want, I want it all. Well, I think you have like two paths here. Um, one of them is like really high upside, incredibly difficult. The other one is sort of like less risky with uh, less upside. In the NFT space, you can buy like the individual projects. You can buy the individual items and sort of speculate on them. That's like a difficult thing to do. It's probably like a great thing to do if you have a smaller bankroll and you're willing to sort of trade your time for higher returns. It is a lot of research. It is a lot of digging to go around and sift through what is literally probably tens of thousands of, of projects that have come out right now. You're, you're searching for, for, for little, literal tiny diamonds in a, in, a, in a land full of crap, basically. But there are gems there. So you can do that. Or you can look to make investments in the infrastructure. Like where are these things being built and where will some of that value accrue. Now, I think one of the beautiful things about Ethereum is that you get a lot of the benefit of NFTs by being an Ethereum holder. Like the more NFTs get adoption, the more people use Ethereum to use the NFTs, the more people use Ethereum, the more gas is burned, the more Ethereum gas is burned, the more Ethereum price goes up. It's sort of built into the token mechanism. but you're not getting like as direct of a line into NFT adoption, really. I think like a higher beta play to this, like if you want to get exposure, take on a little more a risk might be to invest in something like Polygon. I don't own any Matic token yet, which is like the native asset of, of Polygon. Still a little uncomfortable with like the price action of the last, uh, you know, six months or so. The token itself doesn't really have the same value accrual mechanism as, as Ethereum. But to, to be fair, virtually nothing else in crypto really does. 
what Polygon has done incredibly well is they they have maybe the best business development team in, in all of crypto. I mean, they have gone around and just landed partnership after partnership after partnership with with huge brands. And there are a lot of brands building a lot of stuff on the Polygon ecosystem now. So if you sort of believe in the hype, if you believe in the team, you believe that this time these partnerships, um, crypto has a history of partnerships basically amounting to uh, jack squat. But if you believe that this time is different and brands are actually building stuff, they're going to build these kind of NFT projects. There's this digital infrastructure, uh, these like reward infrastructure, and they're going to build it on top of Polygon, right? Then all the users that they onboard into the ecosystem should in theory be accretive to the value of, of the Matic token. So that could be one interesting investment thesis there for you. Um, if you want to look into this more, see what you think. And you, you're like, I want some exposure to this space, but man, I don't want to dig through thousands of NFT projects and, and go through that hassle. Uh, that, sounds, that sounds kind of terrible. All right. So back to, back to the pump. We are, we are pumping really hard right now. Some people are already calling for the bottom being in. <laughs> Bear market is over. I do think we're in this like really weird situation right now where Crypto has been tied to macro for a long time. You know, I've talked about macro on the show a lot, and that's because for the last year, as a crypto investor, the only thing that's really mattered has been macro. Like we had a one-to-one effective correlation with the price movement of the S&P 500, right? Stocks went down, crypto went down. That was it, right? I think that that correlation is starting to come to an end. I don't think the correlation is zero. I still think bad moves in stocks are going to generally be bad for crypto. But on on days like today, you can see that there is a bit of a breakage in this link. Stocks are are down pretty bad on the day as I start recording this. Crypto is 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 doing great. And and zooming out more, like you can see that like Ethereum, for example, is is up, you know, nearly. 2x now from its lows of the summer, whereas the Nasdaq is still, you know, <laughs> quite in the uh, quite quite in the gutter. It, it, it is far from a a, a 2x from its uh its 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 summer lows. So, to some extent, this this correlation is already breaking. There are certain projects within crypto that are doing better than others. There's others that are just just straight up dying now. Whereas a lot of the value is transferring the good projects like Ethereum and, and, and Matic to, to their credit, like that token has done incredibly well um, since, since the lows this summer. So there has been some great opportunity there for you uh, to invest as an investor if you sort of know what you're looking at. Now, in macro right now, we're in sort of like a, a breather period, I think. We are in this really funny situation where we're told like the economy is very, very bad and, and everything is sort of going to hell. Inflation's killing us. But if you look at like the real economy of people working, like the services sector, for example, 86% of the economy is the services sector. Wages in this sector continue to go up. I, I think that in wage inflation was like over 8% in the last number that I looked at. And the CPI just came in recently, the inflation print, like sub seven, I think it was about six and a half. So 
if you have people's wages going up by eight or nine percent and prices are going up a lot, six percent inflation is a lot, but six percent is less than nine percent. So we're in a weird period right now where even though there is inflation, people are making more money and making money faster than prices are going up. So in real terms, net of inflation, like people are actually getting more purchasing power right now. And when people have more purchasing power, they tend to have a little bit more of an appetite to buy goods, to buy risk assets, maybe buy crypto perhaps. So this is like going to be like a real problem for the Fed. They want inflation to go down. It's just not going to go down as long as wages are very high. And as long as wages are very high, it's going to be difficult for risk assets like crypto to, to really tank. So I think it could be, you know, one month, two months, three months, maybe even like six months where we're in this sort of illusory period where it seems like everything is back. We've dodged a bullet where we're going to have this kind of like overheated economy again, and maybe crypto, you know, collectively like doubles even over that period. Like we've seen really large moves um, happen in, in, in times like this. I think unfortunately, ultimately, like the base case here is that we still go down later this year because inflation isn't going to just magically drop to 2% again with people making a bunch of money. It means that ultimately like the Fed is going to have to tighten even higher than is being priced in right now and probably for longer. At some point, like these really high interest rates are, are going to break the back of the economy in some way. And we will finally start seeing people losing their jobs and we will finally start seeing wages go down. Seeing wages go down is what the Fed wants to do because that's the only way to get inflation down. And wages down typically means a recession. Now, crypto has never seen a recession before, which is kind of the odd thing about this asset class. It's existed for like 14 years now, almost 15 years. It's never seen a real recession. So we don't know how crypto is going to behave during this time. But we can sort of speculate that if people are losing their jobs, if stocks crash like another 30% from here, the price of Ethereum probably still isn't going to be $1,400. Now, will we see new lows in Ethereum? Like if the S&P goes from 3,900 to 3,000, that's a pretty bad move, you know, 30 some odd percent move. Is Ethereum going to lose 50% from 1,400 and go to 700? It's certainly plausible with a move like that. Absolutely. And if that happens, it'll, it'll be painful for people in crypto. But, but I also think there's a plausible theory that, you know, one of the things about stocks is that they're tied to cash flows, right? You ultimately buy a stock because there is at least the perception of future cash flows that will be returned to you. And these are heavily tied to whatever the current interest rate is right now. And those cash flows are also tied to demand in the economy. One of the weird things about crypto is that it doesn't, it doesn't really have cash flows. It has like Ethereum specifically has activity. I guess all crypto has activity, right? But Ethereum especially has value transmitted to it directly from the activity on the network. The more people that use the Ethereum network, the more gas gets burned, 
and the more gas gets burned, the more buy pressure there effectively is on the price, right? So sure, we can surmise that in a recession, maybe people use Ethereum less, but that isn't a given to me. Like if people are doing things on Ethereum that aren't really financial in nature, like if they're just interacting with brand loyalty programs or, you know, Reddit's system, like stuff like that might be kind of recession proof in a way. And although people might not be buying shit coins, if they're like losing their jobs, they may still use crypto, especially as more of this infrastructure gets built out. So I think you can make a case that while a recession wouldn't be good for crypto, it might not be really, really bad. And that while we might go down again later this year, the low for Ethereum specifically may already be in, in the, in, you know, in the mid 1800s. So I think as an investor, you, you have to be prepared for the downside first and foremost, especially as a crypto investor, like how bad could it get? I do think in like a tail risk scenario, you, you, you still could see, you know, four, $500 Ethereum at some point later this year, or, you know, 2024, like that, that is certainly in the cards and you, you should plan for that as like a worst case scenario, but you shouldn't expect price to go there. Um, and just that, that you're just going to put all your money in there. It's very difficult to predict where price is going. And if you believe in this technology for the long term, like even though like I do think we are going lower, I, I still think as a long-term investor, you want to be buying a little bit every week now into your favorite coins. Like, you're not going to time the bottom. We are down 75, 85, over 90% from the top in, in some of these projects. And if you believe in them, like now is the time to start buying them, not when they're up like 700% in the next bull run, right? And the good thing about DCAing is that you don't put all your chips in at once. So if you buy some Ethereum at 1400 this week and next week it's 12, you buy some more next week, it's a thousand, you buy some more and the next week it's like 800 for some reason you buy some more. Well, your average price might end up being like a thousand dollars. Like if you put more in when it's like lower, right? You can always buy more as the price goes lower because you've left some cash aside to do so. And if the price goes down, you can get your average cost basis down. And if the price keeps going up, well, then you're making money and, and, and you're happy. So that's the philosophy like I'm personally taking with this stuff. Like, even though I think we're going lower, I've, you know, I've assigned 25, 30% probability to the idea that I am wrong. And in the idea that I am wrong, I don't want to be sitting here three or four years from now with no Ethereum because I was so sure price was going lower that I didn't buy any. And now this thing that I really believed in has gone up 20x and I feel like a moron because I don't own any, right? So I've got my bag in place here that I'm like, okay, if we tank, I don't care. This is my bag in case I'm wrong. Um, I want it for the future. And, <laughs> and, and if we do go down, like as planned, like I'm sitting here ready to buy a little bit, like each and every week until, you know, I've, I've deployed all my capital and then, and then we wait to go back up again. To give you some time frame on when this like may happen, I... I think some of the more knowledgeable people in macro are, are, are saying that recession is not happening anytime soon, actually. It may not happen until 
later this year. It may not happen until early in, in 2024, right? This, of course, assumes that we don't have some geopolitical event like Russia launches a nuke or China invades Taiwan, right? The world really is a tinderbox and there is a lot of you know, potential downside volatility as a result of that. But as the base case of like a recession later this year, early 2024, it seems like you could make a good case that we start going back up again at some time in maybe mid-2024, early 2024 in, in a sustainable fashion. That also happens to align pretty nicely with the Bitcoin halving, which is taking place in, uh, in March of 2024 right now, I believe. Bitcoin halving is this sort of every four years or so event where the, uh, the emissions of Bitcoin are, are cut in half. And, and in theory, this sort of um, puts upward pressure on the price of Bitcoin, sort of in the same way that the Ethereum merge kind of cut a bunch of the supply of Ethereum and is in the process of putting upward uh, pressure uh, on the Ethereum price. So I do see a good confluence of stuff happening later this year, early next year, where I feel pretty good that once we get through that, we're going to go back up again. But the end of every bear market is has always been a phase of of boredom and and apathy, and that that's the hardest thing to stick through, right? Not like the panic phase of like, oh my god, everything is selling off and everything's going to zero. That kind of keeps you glued to your screen in a way. But if you want to make it in crypto, you know, keep listening to this podcast, keep researching, keep reading, keep listening to other podcasts, keep investing and stick through it through the boring part because that's what you have to do if you want to make it in the next cycle and with that i will leave you for this week hope you all have a wonderful weekend hope your coins go up if you own them i will see you uh, right here next week with some new information for you seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.